True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee. Hello, welcome to True Crime Broads. This is Crystal. And Renee. And we appreciate you joining us today. Renee, I'm excited about today's episode. We're going to be discussing, of course, the Missy Beavers case. And that is our number one priority here at True Crime Broads is the Missy Beavers case. And we're hoping it'll get solved soon. And we were going to talk tonight about sort of a little bit different aspect of the case, which is the fact that it's had so many coincidences. We have marveled at this, um, especially Renee and I, but people in the discussion groups and just anyone who's following this case has probably noticed there was a lot of coincidences and that happens in a lot of cases, but I think Missy's case, it's pretty disproportionate. I mean, don't you think there's more coincidences here than we normally see in a case? Oh, absolutely. You know, the, we, me and you, I know I've talked about a lot of different cases and um, it just doesn't seem like there's as many, you know, avenues as this one has. I mean, this one just goes everywhere and it, and it's all because of, like you said, coincidences that brings it all together. And so it makes it even more complex and confusing for everyone. Well, and I think that the, like you said, it does confuse the case because so many of these avenues, like you, you put that very well, these avenues go in different directions, but they're all really plausible. Um, you know, it's not like, oh, wait, that's crazy. Let's not look at that anymore. I mean, there are several, quite a few avenues that you can go down when trying to solve this case that are all pretty plausible. Right. It makes sense for each one of them. And it, it just makes you wonder how there's so many possibilities. It just, it'll drive you crazy. <laughs> yes. And I think we made the podcast to maybe try to not be so crazy <laughs> maybe right. we can maybe we can talk this through and help people out there that are curious about the case and hopefully raise awareness for the case while we're at it so Absolutely. um okay so which coincidence do we want to start with we kind of made a list today and um do you want to start with one Renee or do you want me to start it's up to you go ahead okay all right well one coincidence and I'm not necessarily going in order um as far as when things happened in the case but I'm going to kind of go with one of the search warrants there was a search warrant that was issued on an individual in December of 2016 and they interviewed this person of interest on May 5th 2016 at the Midlothian Police Headquarters and we're not sure why it took so long for them to um, issue the search warrant if they were interested in this person we don't know if maybe their interest in this person had increased over time or if they really wanted to serve, you know, serve this person, um, assert if they really wanted to execute a search warrant and they just didn't have enough evidence to reach probable cause and probable cause is what they have to bring to the judge in order to get the judge to sign off on the search warrant, because you have to have reasons, good reasons why you're going to go invade this person's privacy. And they call that probable cause. So they put together a case for the judge as to why they wanted to see this person. Now, the reason I went ahead and decided to call this a coincidence is because apparently this individual has been cleared. Um, this obviously the search warrant was a long time ago. Now uh, we're coming up on four years here this December and there have been no moves to arrest him for Missy's murder. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and just sort of go down the list of coincidences um, 
this individual uh, used to be a cop and was a cop for quite a few years for several different departments. And he was a tactical cop apparently at his last job. So he would have more than likely probably had some tactical gear in his closet if he was interested in it. This individual um, seemed to have a fascination with tactical gear um, that we can kind of glean from the social media and things like that. So, you know, MPD looked at this person for good reason. Um, He has kind of an interesting walk um, and that was noted. And the forensic podiatrist, whose name is Dr. Nuremberg, we've discussed him before on podcasts. He was also on that HLN show that I talk about a lot. Um, He uh, said that he could not eliminate this person as a person of interest, which was put into the probable cause and the search warrant affidavit. And um, another coincidence is he asked to, he apparently volunteered to work Missy's memorial service. And you know what they always say, Renee, um, about perpetrators will tend to either return to the scene of the crime or they will want to attend either a candlelight vigil or a funeral or something like that. Yeah, well, there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I really thought was compelling and interesting was that this particular person of interest actually did both in one swoop by asking to work her memorial service which this is not her funeral that I'm referring to. This is the community memorial service that occurred two days after her murder. It was that next Wednesday night. And um, he asked if he could work it. So not only did that put him at a memorial service for Missy, it also had him returning to the scene of the crime because her memorial service was at Creekside church where she was murdered. Now, her actual funeral was the following Saturday at Cowboy Church, which Cowboy Church is close by, but that is the church that she and her husband and kids had been attending. So there's a difference. There are a lot of people, especially early on, were thinking that Missy was killed in the church that she attends, and that is not true. Um, she was killed right. at Creekside Church, and as far as we know, um, she and Brandon, her husband and kids never even visited there that we're aware of. So just wanted to draw that distinction for people who might be new to the case. And there was another uh, big coincidence. And that is that um, this individual drove what the search warrant calls a small dark SUV. And there was a passerby that early morning in the rain who saw a small dark SUV leaving the church around 430, 435. Um, so that was note- noted because the person was thinking that that's a normal path that that person drives that time of morning and thought, well, that's interesting. I mean, just, you know, to see somebody leaving a church that early, they just sort of took note of it. And, re- and once they heard of the murder, they reported it. And that's in the search warrant affidavit. Well, come to find out this individual drove a small um dark brown seat honda crv so that fit the description so we have quite a few coincidences with this person of interest and um apparently um he didn't do it so i mean that's yeah. just that's a whole string of coincidences on this one person 
And um, I just wanted to, I'm not going to get into other things that I think are coincidences. I'm just going to stick to the public record that most of us that are following this case have seen. Um, There are some past records for this person that would indicate that he has um, engaged in similar crimes where he's used tactical gear. There's no murders on record, but there is some violence toward women. And so I just wanted to sort of point out that if you look at the, just the coincidences with this particular person of interest, I mean, it's a lot. So um, I guess I'll go ahead and wrap up that one now and let you move on to the next one, unless you wanted to comment on that one. I actually have something I want to say about that one. You, you, you said something and it kind of uh, made me think of something Um, when you were talking about the memorial service that they had at Creekside and how um, the person that you're referring to um, offered to work the memorial service like security. Um, I wonder, you know, because a lot of times, you know, like you said, a lot of times um, a, uh, a person, a killer, whatever, will return to the scene of the crime, you know, for whatever reason. And I wonder if they did that on purpose, having her memorial there at the same place where she was killed. Yeah. What can you repeat that? I'm sorry. That last part. Yeah. I, I wonder if they did that on purpose. Um, having the mor- memorial at Creekside. Ooh, that is really smart. I'd never thought about that. It just popped in my head when you were talking about it. And I thought, oh, I wonder if they planned that specifically for that reason. That's a really good point. Because, you know, if you look at the, um, it seemed to be sort of hosted by, I don't, I don't know if hosted's the right name, but organized by, um, it was, uh, the picture had Kevin Locks, who is, was a friend of Missy's, who is also a Camp Gladiator trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just the picture that was on social media, on Facebook, promoting it, you know, saying, hey, please come and mourn with, you know, your community for the tragic death of Missy Beavers. The other one was a, another close friend of Missy's who had actually done the camps with her as a student. Her name is Cammie Jackson. Didn't she run for mayor fairly recently? She did. She, yeah, she seems like a really mm-hmm. nice lady. And then there was a third person in the picture, and I'm drawing a blank on who it was. Um, but I'll have to – we'll put that up on the Facebook group so people can see it. Um, and – but you know what? That's a really good point because if you read the article that talked about that memorial service, they said that they had um, security in full swing. They had all kinds of – um, off-duty police officers, um, on-duty police officers, my understanding, and some security. And I forget what other kind of agents from other jurisdictions were there. And they were all instructed to keep a very close eye on the situation. Oh, and speaking of that, don't forget, there was also a cameraman there from the media that focused in on this person of interest. And I don't think I mentioned this. I said he requested to work her memorial service. I should have said requested to work security at her memorial service. I'm glad you said that. I left that out. And um, this, this person of interest was pacing around and his sort of his, the way he carries himself and his posture and his walk looked so much like the perpetrator on the Creekside video. So that was yet another coincidence. So it was really pretty riveting there for a while, but it just didn't turn out to be anything. So, right. you know, so that, that's just a huge, I thought we would start off with a bang. That's a pretty, that's a pretty long list of coincidences just with that one person. Right. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a big one because there's there's so many different avenues that that it just you know points right towards like oh my gosh this has got to be it this has got to be the person and and then when you see the you know totality of it there's so many of these and we're as you said we're going to be going through them today so at that point you start thinking wow you know mm-hmm. there's there's obviously there's not this many people that it could be there's only one killer so you know. Mm-hmm. It, it's really very strange, but okay. So the person that I'm talking about, I'm not going to name them, but um, someone, and I don't know who it was pointed out this person on one of the, like one of the news channels uh, posts on, on like Facebook. Mm-hmm. And they pointed out, you know, y'all need to take a look at this particular person. Um, they're dressed kind of weird, creepy, whatever. Um, and they were friends with Missy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So of course I seen that and it, it caught my attention and I checked the person out. Well, they actually posted on that news channel, um, when they did the news about, you know, the case, they posted that comment on, uh, on TV. And so I'll just run through the different, different coincidences of this particular person. And I don't think it ever went past that I think they the police probably just checked them out and was just like, no, that's, you know, whatever. I, I don't know any specifics, but it was just bizarre how many things were, you know, coincidental about it. Um, okay, so for one, they worked late at night and they took a route that would have passed right by the church. Um, they also worked out at the same gym that Missy worked out at. Yes. Um, which is interesting. They were friends with Missy on Facebook. Don't know anything about their relationship, just other than they were friends on on Facebook. Um, They had a picture on their Facebook of them in law enforcement gear. It it looked Mm -hmm. somewhat fake, but it was pretty close to it. It didn't look like a Halloween costume, but it, you know, obviously you could tell it wasn't actually, you know, a police uniform, but it was interesting. Um, and then they were, they were local. Um, so, you know, there, it was quite a few things on there that kind of made you go, hmm, this is interesting, <laughs> you know? And, and didn't he make a Facebook post about how, um, something gets some, I can't remember what it was, but it's like something gets me in the mood for killing. Remember? Yeah, and yeah. then he made another post about how women are always turning him down. And I don't know, it just sort of looked like he had a chip on his shoulder and some violent tendencies. And you know how it is when you're looking at a person of interest and yeah. everything starts to, we were talking about this on the phone earlier, everything sort of starts to jump out at you and you start running it through that filter, looking at right. it, through, you look at it through that lens and you're like, it's gotta be this person, you know, because yeah. everything I fits. I think he said something like, you know, he was tired of getting rejected by women and, um, that it was really frustrating and it was, and he was really kind of like mad, like he was angry about it. Um, and he was just wasting his opinion. And then I think there was another one where he was less like, um, not don't have time for killing today, maybe tomorrow or something. I don't yeah. Know. So, or he said something. Gets me, I think he had another post or maybe it's that same one where he said such and such, I forget what it was, gets me in the mood for killing. It's just like, yeah. wow, you're really going to post yeah. that on your Facebook. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he, he had a, this person had a lot of different coincidences in this case. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it made it on the news, you know, they checked him out. So. 
Right. And he also had sort of the smaller stature if, um, you know, cause oh, that, yeah. that original, you know, small, it just sounds like a small person. They said originally, you know, five, two to five, seven. And mm-hmm. I think he kind of looked like he would fit into that. Although I couldn't tell, of course, without meeting him, but he looked like he was on the smaller side. Yeah. Somebody had made a comment, um, on one of his, uh, posts, um, about him being short and he, you know, he kind of just kind of snapped back at him like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah, I'm short, get over it. <laughs> so mm-hmm. he, he was definitely on the short side because he, he actually commented about it. But yeah, I thought that one was interesting. Yeah, that one was crazy. Um, there's been so many, but yeah, like you said, there's not even a, we, we check the search warrants um, once a quarter started off with Tim's help and um, that's how that whole thing got started. And there has been no search warrant activity on that person of interest. So that must, I I call him a person of interest. He probably wasn't even one, but we kind of think he must've been at some point because it made it to the news. So anyway, so yeah, if whether or not police considered him a POI, we don't know, but there was nothing. We don't have any search warrants on him. So, but still lots of coincidences on that one as well. And, um, oh, you know what, there was another one I kind of wanted to mention in conjunction with the first one was Mm -hmm. there was a guy who was sort of in Missy's circle. Um, and he was law enforcement. He had been with a police department and then, um, he was working in some other capacity at some like Dallas office, but it was still sort of had to do with law enforcement. But anyway, long story short, he was actually sort of in the periphery of Missy's life. I wouldn't say he was like a close friend or anything, but he had some interesting coincidences. He had pictures of himself in tactical gear on his Facebook in March, 2016. Um, so that kind of led a lot of us to think, well, he's got tactical gear on his mind, you know, or he wouldn't have been posting that. Um, and then when Missy was killed, he abruptly took it down from Facebook. And then just a short while later, um, I don't remember a week or two. I don't recall. But then he took down his Facebook and his wife took down her Facebook. And they stayed off of Facebook until they reemerged 16 with a joint account. So um, I just thought it was really interesting that it there was just another string of coincidences with this person. My understanding is they did speak to him and have him walk for the podiatrist, I think. But Apparently, he was cleared because that never even developed into a search warrant. What, um, what is up with the whole joint joint accounts on Facebook? I'm just, what is, what is your thoughts on that? What'd you say? What is your thoughts on the joint uh, Facebook accounts for people? Yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's just like either one or both spouses are controlling or say, I know it's like, well, you know, the joke is when you see a, uh, you see a joint Facebook. It's like, okay, who cheated? You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't really have an opinion on that. My husband would rather die than be on Facebook. So that's not a dilemma I'm ever going to have to face. So (laughs) I don't really know what people are thinking when they get joint Facebooks, probably just to keep an eye on each other, or they just, maybe one spouse doesn't really want one. And they, but in their case, I have no idea why, um, why they came went off it just it's the coincidence of the timing of all this stuff yeah was and apparently um there were some hearsay coincidences which i won't get into here but 
apparently there was some drama and turmoil going on and it just kind of all lined up with Missy's death, but it just was more like stuff that didn't involve her. But I mean, I would, yeah, I would just say those were rumors at this point, but some people that he knew were posting on their Facebook that he was having drama at the time. Um, But really Missy's name didn't really come into it. At least not that we could read online. That was just more like gossipy stuff. So I don't even know why I went into that because it doesn't make any sense. But basically this person was just sort of on the periphery of um, Missy's life. And there was just some sort of eyebrow raising stuff about he kind of had a, it's possible he was around the size of the perpetrator. Hard to say because the perp is decked out and all that stuff. So, but you know, I think it was really just mostly the tactical stuff and just sort of that he was in the periphery of her life and he was supposedly now this um, was stuff that we read on Facebook that, you know, he was just having some turmoil in his life and was really upset at that time. But of course that doesn't mean that he killed Missy. That's just sort of what people were saying. Um, Okay. Um, That one is a little less important because there's no search warrant activity, but I did um, that first person of interest, you know, the one with the extensive search warrant, I wanted to bring up the second um, law enforcement person just simply because it kind of, there was a lot of similarities between those two, but they never did the POI that I was just talking about. They never did a search warrant on him. So I guess they, they were satisfied when they interviewed him and just didn't think he was involved. It's so crazy to think about um, having to have a, a basically an alibi at three o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yeah. I can't mm-hmm. even imagine. Like I would be so much in trouble because first of all, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I know I didn't kill anybody, but I still trying to, you know, prove it would be one thing because apparently my husband says he doesn't sleep that good at night. But when I wake up, he's always asleep. So apparently when he wakes up, I'm asleep. But, you know, I don't know that the time, I don't know. I, it, it would be hard to go, are you sure it was three o'clock when you woke up and, and he was asleep? You know, whatever. I mean, it would just be, it would be hard to have somebody to give you an alibi because it would be hard to go. Yeah, absolutely. I know exactly what time it was. Well, why'd you know? Oh, well, I look at my phone or whatever. You know what I mean? It just. Right. And, and, and everybody's alibi pretty much not everyone. Cause some people work night shifts and some people are night owls, but Pretty much most people, their alibi for four o'clock in the morning is I was asleep. So yeah, you're right. It almost makes you wonder, did the perpetrator know that going in that this is going to be easier than, I mean, that you can kind of point the, you can kind of have a wider net of people of interest if there's not, because, you know, during the day, I mean, they're let's say it was four o'clock in the afternoon that this murder happened. Well, at four o'clock in the afternoon, there could be surveillance camera of you at a convenience store buying something, or, you know, there could be a debit card transaction in a McDonald's drive-through at that same time. I mean, there would be so many different ways if it was four o'clock in the afternoon that you could prove where you were, but that's hard to do it for in the morning unless, you know, they can trace where your cell phone was, but it sounds like, it can't be that simple in this case because it sounds like if I had to guess the perpetrator did not bring their cell phone with them or they had some sort of a burner phone with them. That's not as easily traceable. I don't know. Well, yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, 
it's 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 so hard to even I, I don't I could never do this. I can I could never plan something like this. You know, unless we get accused of doing something um late at night when we're doing a podcast, we're good. <laughs> you know? Yeah, really. That's right. Um, for sure. But yeah, I just think four o'clock in the morning is it's a difficult one. And that was something else that that first person of interest that I talked about that they did execute a search warrant on um, with a similar vehicle and worked her memorial. Um, that guy actually had like a really weird, it's also in the search warrant affidavit. He had a really weird alibi. He was like, yeah, I was, I was, you know, taking care of the baby so my wife could get ready for work. And um, inquiring minds want to know. So we Googled what she does and she works at a very nine to five office coincidentally in an office that I have to do business in a couple times a year. So I'm very familiar with that office building. And, you know, she works in a field that's not, I mean, I was thinking, oh, she must be a nurse or something. You know what I mean? When I first saw that in the search warrant, no, she works in a very nine to five office. So why his wife was up getting ready. That also made people suspicious. It's like, wait a minute. You, how, how could you know? Cause I wonder and, and if here's he, another, he was dealing with the baby because she had to get up or go to work at in a few hours. So right he, now that would make sense. But I think the affidavit clearly said I was taking care of the baby while my wife got ready for work. I was like picturing her blow drying her hair, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. that's crazy. But, but yeah, that whole thing was weird and just really bizarre. Cause if you look at that search warrant affidavit, Hey, I got to hand it to MVD. They did a great job because you know, we talked about this before. A search warrant affidavit is basically sort of a sales pitch to the judge. This is why we should get to go, you know, totally invade this citizen's right. pri- the, uh, privacy. Um, and here's the reasons why we should be able to do that. So anyway, so that was, you know, that was just a roller coaster experience that we've been through in this case by following it so closely and sort of seeing these people of interest, especially that one that had the extensive search warrant. That was shocking that that ended up just petering out. It was shocking to me. Um, so, and then, okay. So then you did the one that was on TV and I did the other one from law enforcement that that just didn't even amount to as much as the first one did. So, um, we're doing pretty good, not mentioning names. <laughs> I thought we would have blurted one out by now. Um, who's our next coincidence? Do we have another POI that's a coincidence? Uh, let's see. Oh, the husband and wife. You want to do that one? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was reading. <laughs> that's okay. I'll do that too. Um, okay. So there is another um, couple of people that were on the target list and I believe they were on the target list because they had either one or both of them had communications with Missy prior to her murder. But, um, I guess the coincidences for this one would be, um, one of them was a camp gladiator teacher and I guess his, I'm not real sure. I, I, you may have to help me on this because I've always kind of been confused about this. And I don't know if I've ever got a clear answer. I'm not real sure why his wife was on the target list unless it was just because um, the husband worked closely with her, with Missy. And so that just automatically put her on the list. That's kind of what I was thinking, but I'm not sure. Either, yeah. Either that or um, since he and Missy were in Austin together, because it wasn't just the two of them. It was that big, um, that big um, camp gladiator conference that was right before her murder. 
Um, so she was out of town and he was there along with tons of other trainers, um, both local and from other areas. And, um, I was telling Mike about that. I was like, my husband, I was like, why do you think that they had the wife on the target list? He makes sense. Cause I could see them texting each other questions or something about camp gladiator, but why would his wife be on there? Cause I had talked to the husband and he said that they've never even met. Right. Mike had a kind of. He was saying, um, hang on, i got to tell a child that I'm on the podcast how quickly they forget. I texted him before we started. Now <laughs> my phone's getting blown up. Um, uh, sorry. And Mike's kind of said something, and this is only because this happens in our family a lot. Um, I don't know if this is common. You can tell me if it is or, but apparent, like Mike has called me before. Or, and my sons have done this many times and my daughter, but mostly my sons, they will call or text me from a completely random phone number and they'll say, Hey, I just want to let you know that my phone died. I borrowed so-and-so's phone. Um, So Mike was like, you know, they might've been in Austin and at that conference, you can't plug in your phone anywhere because you're busy and you don't know where necessarily a plug thing is, you know? And then he might've just been like, can I text Courtney and tell her that my phone's dead? You know? I mean, I don't know. It could have happened. I mean, as much as, as much as that happens in my family, um, I could totally see that. So we, we never did get any confirmation on that. That's just kind of the, one of the guesses. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, they, um, so they, they were together and, um, he had some training, um, defensive classes that he taught. And in those defensive um, training classes they taught, they used all types of uh, gear for protection, of course. And so a lot of people seen pictures of those, you know, things, and they thought, ooh, that's where one, either him or her, one got, you know, the, the gear to put on to, you know, pretend like law enforcement or whatever. Um, and then I believe the wife had some kind of, issue with her foot at some point someone pointed out mm-hmm. um so that would be the reason for her gate or the of the, the gate of the perk um let me think what else mm. it, it, there was always uh, some strange connection about i'm trying to remember what the other thing was so i don't remember was that it well i'm thinking about the rumor that missy and this fellow were having an affair but i have talked to people who are close to both of them and said, there's no way that's just a rumor. Oh, yeah. yeah. We don't, we, we're not believing any of these things we're saying. We're just repeating mm-hmm. the coincidences right. of the reasons right. why people were going, Oh, I bet it was this person. Right. And so, yeah. So they, so there was, there was a few coincidences there and people were just, you know, like this has to be it. This has to be it, you know, whatever. But because you, you're thinking, you know, he worked closely with her and, and maybe the wife was getting jealous or mad or upset or, you know, whatever. So that it must have been, you know, him or her. I, mean, I think they mainly um, accused the wife of it, but she was quite right. clear. She was, right. Yeah. Right. And, and, and there was a lot of people saying they did it together or that he did it. And most, but you're right. Most of the rumors um, were about her. He had a class at the same exact time Missy did. So I don't know how yeah. they thought he pulled it off. <laughs> I know. And it, he, he did have his class in Midlothian, but it was not close to the church. I mean, how could he have right. even pulled that off? Right. Exactly. 
Um, so, um, what about um, what about the um, the very first person that they looked at in this case was, and I guess can I name the person? Are we are we not naming anybody or? I don't care. I just, for some reason, didn't, even though we've mentioned probably all these names on past podcasts, for some reason, I didn't. I was just kind of going with the flow. I don't know why I made that choice. I'll just continue with the flow because I'm sure everybody can figure it out if they follow this this piece close enough. They'll they'll know who all these people are probably. (laughs) But anyway, this particular person was um, being looked at for a couple of different reasons, but the main reason was because they were having flirtatious and familiar conversations with Missy. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What was it? About six months before her, well, no, not six months, four months before her murder. Yeah, um, you're right. And these had um, been on the social media site, LinkedIn. And so it's a coincidence because two weeks, or I'm sorry, three days, I don't know why I said two weeks, three days prior to Missy's murder, she received a creepy and strange message from someone saying something we don't know what the something was we don't know what the message was the friend that was there and seen the message didn't recall what was said or who or what the person's name actually they didn't say that they didn't say she recalled what that she didn't recall what they said she they said she didn't know what the person's name was she didn't remember that so right. i'm sure the police know what the message said but anyway so it was kind of a coincidence because people instantly was like oh it must have been this person that you know i'm talking about but they were um, definitely shorter. Um, they were um, into MMA fighting. Yes. yes. Um, they were, they would have probably had access to different types of gear, helmets, things like that. Um, trying to think what else. That might have been all of them on that one. But this person was also was talked talked to police in the very beginning and cleared. I want to say probably the first person that was cleared. Probably, yeah, I think it was the very first person that was cleared. But anyway, but it was just you know people just you know they hear she received a creepy message on LinkedIn. That's how her and this person communicated. And, and I think Facebook too, but it was mainly LinkedIn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instantly you could go, Ooh, it must've been him, you know, and he was short, um, mm-hmm. you know, real kind of fit. Cause the person in the video, you can kind of tell they have smaller, like, I don't want to say muscular legs, but you know, um, right. And, and he was, he was very fit. So, you know, he, he fit, he fit the profile of the person or, or somebody that they were, if you were describing the person, he, he fit that person and the different things. But a, as you know, it didn't end up being him. It was just all a coincidence. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? And, you know, something else too is, you know, being an MMA fighter, apparently he had some kind of gear and he had some military background. So oh, that's right. that was a little bit of a coincidence because it could sort of, um, there was some kind of gear that was spotted on his social media. I can't remember now what it was, but another coincidence is he had some stuff that could sort of maybe possibly be related to the, what the murderer had on. Um, but yeah, the, you're right. The law enforcement must have been satisfied with whatever he said, because there's no search warrant on him either. But yeah, there, that was a big coincidence. I thought that the creepy and strange anonymous message, I say anonymous, it came from, what we believe was probably a sock account, you know, a fake. 
um, account mm-hmm. because Missy Missy showed made a point of showing it to her friend because it was creepy and strange. Go look at this, you know, and it was a few days before her murder, and the friend said, "Oh, that is weird." But when police questioned the friend, of course, no one the friend had no idea Missy was about to be murdered. Um, so when that happened, the friend said, "Oh my gosh, maybe this is related. I need to tell police that Missy had shown me." A really weird message and you know law enforcement never did release the content of that message we heard early rumors that it said there was a lady who claimed to, that she used to work at mpd she was not a police officer but maybe in an administrative role um and she came forward in one of the groups and said that sh- the message said i'm i'm watching you um i don't know if that's true mm-hmm. um but that's just about the only time we've heard any suggestion as to what that message says. Because I always wondered, was it threatening in nature or was it literally just creepy? Um, you know, they only refer to that message as creepy and strange. There's no other, mm-hmm. there's no, really no, no other description. So I mean, anyway, I that I guess that would probably fall in line with a really good thing for um, somebody, you know, that says, hey, I did it. It's kind of kind of funny because I was watching this TV show earlier and it, cause in my mind, you know, I'm thinking to myself, you know, first of all, I would never kill anybody, but I dang sure wouldn't say, Oh, it was me. I killed so-and-so, you know? And so you're thinking to yourself, why would somebody say they killed somebody? Like, that's just weird. So mm-hmm. on this particular show, I'll give you the really short run of it, but this um, person, um, they, they found somebody that was, that's dead in a park. And so the police are investigating this and checking it out. And so they do a ballistics report on the bullet. Well, the bullet comes back to matching the officer that went to investigate the crime. And everybody in the precinct's looking at him like, uh, excuse us, but that matches your gun, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And they look at it and it's like a perfect match. And so they're thinking, holy moly, you killed this guy? By the way, the guy that got killed was another police officer. So they were all like freaking out. So anyway, he's this, this particular police officer was really specific in everything he did, everything. He kept his gun by his side at all times. And they're like, well, wait a minute. What about when you go to the bathroom? He goes, oh, no, I take it with me, put it on the bathroom counter, and I'm looking at it. So nobody has ever had an opportunity to take my gun and shoot anybody. So this, you know, and they're going, well, it must have been you then, you know, because it was your gun that shot this person. So they're investigating this crime, and all of a sudden, he figures it out. He's like, oh, I know what happened. And so he goes to his um, chief and he's like, hey, hey, I know what happened. And the chief is like, what is it? You know, and he said, I know what happened. I know exactly how he got killed with my gun. And the guy, he says, no, 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 stop. He says, we, we, somebody confessed. And he's like, what? He goes, no, 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 he couldn't have confessed because I know how it happened. He says, no, it was your dad. He confessed to doing it. And he's like, What? So his dad confessed to the murder because he thought his son did it and he didn't want his son to go to prison. Oh, wow. And so I said all of that to say this. So if, if you knew, um, I literally just lost my train of thought. Ugh, I hate it when I do that. We were just talking about, what were we talking about right before some story? <laughs> well, I was going to, I was, I had just started to say that there was a big coincidence with the LinkedIn, but, um, Oh, the LinkedIn message. Do you want me to continue with that or do you want to finish that? I remember what I was going to say. Am I messing you up? No, no, go ahead. I'll circle back to my thing when you're done. Okay. So I was just going to, I couldn't remember what my point was, but I remember now. So the LinkedIn message, 
So if somebody said, okay, I confess, I killed her. It was me. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what did your LinkedIn message say? Oh, well, I said, um, I'm going to kill you. And they're like, nope, that's not what the LinkedIn message said. Right. That's interesting. So that, that's how they, you know, cause you're thinking like, well, I don't, cause I, it always confuses me, you know, like, well, I don't understand, but that's why they don't give up certain information because like that, that man, he said he did it. You know, because he thought he was covering up for his son because he thought his son did it. Because, like, apparently this guy was not very well liked or whatever. And so that's how they kind of figure stuff out. So that's, in my opinion, why they didn't give out what the LinkedIn message said. Are you there? Hello? Okay, there. That's weird. My phone spazzed out. Sorry. Um, I mean, it made a weird noise and everything. So we're back. Okay. So what I was about to get at was that we have a huge coincidence too, within that same, you know, person of interest. I don't even know if he rose to the level of a person of interest, but in our viewpoint, he was because he actually did have his name appear in a couple of search warrants. One of them being the LinkedIn search warrant. Um, but what I was going to tie it into is saying another coincidence was, um, I think you had touched on this was that he and Missy had been carrying on their flirtatious, apparently conversation in LinkedIn. And then she also gets this bizarre, well, they call it creepy and strange message in LinkedIn. So a lot of people early on, including us, I think jumped to the conclusion, Ooh, that must be the same person, but come to find out it was just a coincidence. She actually was very, very active on LinkedIn. All of her close family and friends were saying that she was on it a lot. So come and come to find out that was just a coincidence. It's more than likely not the same person. Right. Yep. So many coincidences. It's crazy in this case. Oh my gosh, for real. Okay, so let's see. Let's oh, see I thought of another one we discussed earlier. Um, the perpetrator we're thinking more than likely did not know about this. Um, there were two women that routinely came in. They had gotten into the habit of coming in and working out early. They were and Missy's class started at five a.m. But these two women would come in at 430 so they could get it, get it out of the way quicker. And Missy was like, no problem. Um, I talked to someone close to Missy, who is also a camp gladiator, sort of walked me through this and said that what they do when they have people that want to take that 430 option, they say, absolutely. I'll just be setting up. I'll be, I'll be here. Um, and if you need anything, let me know. So basically it's almost like they're independently working out that first half hour. But Missy would have been there in case they had questions or, or just needed help with their form, you know, something like that. But here's the part that's the coincidence. I know you and I have talked about this several times, but the coincidence here is that that morning, both of those ladies didn't make it. They did not make their 430. And most from what we're seeing and, and hearing, and understanding it was unusual for them to miss. But that morning, one of the ladies said that the rain discouraged her from going. She woke up, saw it was raining and just went, eh, I'm not going to go. So she went back to bed. The other lady who was supposed to be there at 430 to work out early had a flat tire on the way and she didn't get there until right at five o'clock. 
So that coincidence, I think, really worked in this perpetrator's favor because it just doesn't seem like they realized that there was supposed to be this someone there at 4.30. Like you said earlier today when we talked, they were probably thinking, oh, somebody will be there at five or ten minutes before five. But they couldn't have known that there was going to be several people there at 4.30. They just couldn't have known that. And yep. another another coincidence is they had a them for 5 30 i'm sorry 4 30 is the local starbucks there and um Okay, Renee, you back? Yes, I am. Okay, we're back from our end. Y'all, we had a little technical problem, and I don't know what happened, but I might have even done that by accident. So here we are, we're back, and we were talking about there was going to be a brand new guy that started that morning. He manages a close-by Starbucks there in Midlothian, and Missy was an acquaintance of his, and she had apparently recruited him to come try Camp Gladiator. That was going to be his first morning. And, you know, we had found out um, that she had actually warned the other two ladies that come early so that they wouldn't be frightened. And because he's kind of a big guy and they're probably thinking, oh, my gosh, why is there a guy here that early? They didn't want uh, Missy didn't want them to be alarmed. And that's just kind of sad to think about because she was so worried about them, you know, being uneasy. And, of course, she didn't know that she was going to have a scary situation when she arrives. It's just horrible. So that just kind of, didn't that just kind of break your heart a little bit when you heard that? Oh my gosh, for real. It just, it, it, you just, sometimes I just have to not even think about it, you know? I know, seriously. Um, okay, so so then we've got that guy. And, and he, um, being that it was his very first morning, um, there's been a lot of debate about this. But for whatever reason, he wasn't able to get in. Um, whereas the other two ladies apparently did have some way that they knew how to get in. So long story short, um, we just had a very bizarre coincidence that the two ladies that were experienced in going early and getting started early weren't there that morning. And so, um, you know, people have more of the, the conspiracy theorist types have asked, Hey, do you think that that was planned by the perpetrator no we know someone who talked to one of the ladies firsthand actually both of them and um that lady really did have a flat tire and we don't have any reason to believe that her car was tampered with and the other lady really did get up and make the impromptu decision hey it's raining i don't feel like doing this and went back to bed so clearly the perpetrator the perpetrator did not put that thought in her head so it was not a conspiracy but it kind of sounds at first glance you're thinking wow that just seems like too yeah. much of a coincidence. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, but it, but it really was apparently. So what what other coincidences were we going to cover? I know there's been a, there's been so many. We'll probably have to do a, a follow up on this because we'll think of more later. Right. Um, I guess that the um, that Missy's husband and father in law were both yes. somewhat out of town. Um, the husband was out of town fishing on his annual fishing trip, which is wasn't anything unusual. Of course, everybody's like, you know, oh, well, 
how did that just work out in his favor, you know, or whatever? How did that just happen to be that? And then the mm-hmm. father-in-law, he, he wasn't even from the area. So he lived in the Austin area, but him and his wife are retired. And so they often travel cross country, you know, in their um, uh, RV or whatever, going out to see sites and, you know, all over the place. I think they were somewhere around California, Nevada, something like that. And um, whenever they got the call and had to come back this direction to, you know, be, be with their family. But anyway, a lot of people um, speculated because of the whole fact that Brandon was, you know, not in town when this happened and the father-in-law was gone as well. But this was not unusual um, because he did this at once a year. But not, not only that, he was he was verified. Everything he, um, you know, said he did, they verified it. I'm sure flight information hotels car rentals things like that was all verified but i mean it was just a coincidence that he just happened to be out of town when this person planned to kill her so it just made it more more people to look at him not just the typical because i mean there could have been they could have been home and been asleep and something could have happened when she went to the right. still thought it was the husband you know right Right. Just so many coincidences in this case. And, um, and we don't know Mm -hmm. if the perpetrator, we don't know if the perpetrator intentionally picked when Brandon was out of town. He very, Mm -hmm. he or she very well could have, um, just to, (laughs) yeah, we just don't know. I mean, I think it probably was just a coincidence, but there's always that outside chance that that person was familiar with, with Brandon's, um, his social media and Missy's, uh, Facebooks were both wide open. So, um, if, you know, they had chatted about the upcoming trip. So if a perpetrator wanted to sort of make it look like he skipped town to, you know, get out of Dodge while the deed was done, that kind of thing that you hear about on, you know, movies and stuff um, that, you know, they could have set him up for that. It's it's very possible because that information was available. Right. Uh, we, we, we just don't know. So I just tend to lean toward coincidence, but hopefully these details will come up, come out one of these days, not too long from now. And we'll figure out who did this and exactly what their thought process was when they were planning it. And really the most important thing is that they get caught and they pay for what they did to this family. It's been devastating. Um, I hate what it's done to the family of obviously losing their loved one, but then they also have had the fallout of the accusations that have been hurled at primarily at Brandon's dad, you know, we talked about, yeah, he's gotten more flack than even Brandon did. Yeah. I just think, yeah, it just seems like people won't stop with that. And, and, and speaking of coincidences, of course, one of the coincidences is that Randy Beavers has a little bit of a, a little bit of a kick in his walk. Um, Mm -hmm. maybe similar to the perpetrator. Um, and you know that that made people think it so anyway it's just this i have never seen this many coincidences in a case ever there's you know it's just crazy when they do finally solve this case which i pray they do it's going to be it's going to be a very crazy dateline episode 2020 episode to be able to just cover all this stuff i mean it's just there's so much to cover you want to talk about a coincidence um, on our Twitter account, we got a, a, a message from someone and they said, person walks exactly like the father-in-law. In the video, watch the uh, 50 mark. The father-in-law is hesitant to walk and the son moves in front of him to block. There's no mystery here. And I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> 
they're basically saying that, you know, obviously the father-in-law did it. And I'm just, it just blows my mind. You know, Brandon pointed out um, a while back, um, probably, I don't know, two or three years ago, that his father, and or his father, not father-in-law, but his father, has spondylosis. I don't know yeah. if it's spondy, spondy, spondylosis, I think is how you say it. And it's a, an arthritis spurred by wear and tear on the spine. And so he doesn't have the ability to take and, you know, if, if we see something to our left and we just jerk our head to the left to see it, he doesn't have the ability to do that. And he also can't just lift his head completely back. He has to hit it kind of like all goes in one motion. So his shoulders would have to follow his head wherever he looks or goes. And, and you can kind of see that happening in the video of him and his, him and Brandon when they're at the police station, you can see him, you know, moving with his, his arms, shoulders, neck all together. Uh-huh. And so that's his issue. And so when the person, when the perp, in the video opens the split door and they're kind of like, Oh, dang it. You know, whatever, whatever it is that they're doing, throw their head back. Mm-hmm. Brandon said, my father could have never done that. And then there's another part in the video when the person, when the perp is walking down the hall and they have all of a sudden they have the uh, headlamp on, they take their head and they turn it to the left and look kind of towards the camera. Yeah. He could have never done that. So I mean, and there's many other reasons. I think he's too tall. I think he's bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different things, but those that one in particular is, you well, know. Yeah, and, you know, we had hit most of those points on our last podcast, you know, talking about the Randy Beaver's accusations. And, you know, and another one is just, gosh, I mean, what's the motive, right? I mean, yeah, we just can't even get behind any of the motives. It don't make any well, sense. He didn't even live around there. They were just huge speculations on everybody's part, which, I mean, we all do that. So I'm not knocking anybody that has said that or thought that I get it. I get, you know, I get it, but it wasn't anything. I don't believe ever concrete. No. Yeah. And I think, and even on the last podcast, we had gone over the stuff about the Dutch door, him not being able to move his head that way. And, and then, you know, I won't go into this too much detail because we did cover it so well on the last podcast, but another thing was where Brandon works, where, um, I don't know if he's part owner or if he's just an executive there or whatever, but it's called Tucker Oil. Tucker is his as a different husband of his mother's. It's his, I guess yeah. his stepdad. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. Randy Beavers. There's this whole thing, this whole narrative about how Missy was going to divorce Brandon. There's no proof of that and try to take all his money. No proof of that. But it Randy right. would not be. It it's not his business, and that was one of the reasons people used to say they thought he did it. That is not Tucker Oil has nothing to do with Randy Beavers. It's not Beavers Oil. It's Tucker Oil. Right. So, exactly. anyway, yeah, they probably don't know that you know his um, Brandy, Brandon's stepdad is Tucker. They probably just thought that was the name of the business, but no, it's definitely not. So, right. But yeah, that that was a big coincidence, and that one is one that people just can't get past. Which is it just amazes me because I've, you know, I've probably speculated on many different people at being, but it's never been. It's never been the beavers, <laughs> Randy beavers. I mean, never. Like, I don't yeah, know. We- no. And, and, and you know that I've knocked myself out for years defending Brandon beavers in the groups. So I just would get so annoyed when people would say it's the husband. I just wanted to mm-hmm. say, how do you know that? I mean, what are you basing yeah. that on? He obviously, if he wasn't where he said he was going to be, I mean, even if you think he's the type of person that could do this, which I just don't see that at all. But mm-hmm. even if you can get, even if you could get past that, if if Randy or Brandon were not where they said they were at the beginning of the case, and that was easily checked out by law enforcement, then they would have been in jail. 
I mean, it's as simple as that. So, and then, you know, there was all these things about, well, we think that Brandon ordered a hit. Well, I mean, there has to be communication. There has to be money that changed hands. Even if you think he's a bad enough person to do that, which I've never, ever seen any evidence of that. But let's say that you can get past that. I mean, I mean, the FBI is not stupid. And I mean, they went through all of his financials and there's not any search warrants on it because he's opened his door wide open. He said, why don't you come live with me? Brandon was wide open with law enforcement, just the opposite of the guilty husbands, the guilty husbands, you know, lawyer up. They won't talk to the media. They refuse to speak to anyone. And Brandon's just been a really laid back, cool guy who had something really horrible happen to him and his daughters. So I just, um, I've gotten in fights with perfect strangers in the groups over this. And I, I just, uh, you know, I just don't really, that just, we don't have any place for that. I mean, I just always try to try to get people that, it, you know, I, I, we've mentioned before, we don't love the fact that we are a part of some of these groups because there really are kind of emotional gossipy, weird places to hang out. But we keep thinking that there's going to be somebody in one of those groups that might have some inside information occasionally, We'll get a little something, but mostly it's just discussion, discussion, and, you know, trying to keep people on track and trying to stick to the facts that we know, trying not to elaborate too much and use your imagination too much, because that tends to be what people want to do. And you have to really use a lot of imagination, I think, to get Randy Beavers or, or Brandon to be the perpetrator. You know, we just, we just, there's no way. Again, both of them are too tall. And that's a huge thing. You can't you can't make a tall person shorter. So if it, yeah, and especially Brandon, people, he's really tall. Yeah. And then if people are going to say, you know, oh well, that the police are probably lying about that. You know, I know that we're looking at this um, from a from a camera, but you can still look at someone and kind of tell if they're tall or short. We're not in the movies. We're not able to, you know, make them look taller like they do some actors that they, you know, they make um, Arnold Schwarzenegger look like he's six foot five and I think he's not mm-hmm. I think he's like five nine or something I don't right remember, right he's not real tall and so I get that but that's not what the situation is you can look at that person and tell from you know where their head is hitting at a door they're not six foot two or six foot one or six foot you know they're just not so that's well, a huge you, thing for me you know it just you reminded me of when you said movies and about height um, there's a movie called The Irishman, which coincidentally, a really nice, that nice guy that we always shout out from our groups, Dale, he actually t- recommended that we watch it. It's called The Irishman. And I just happened to um, see pictures of that making of that movie a while back. And Al Pacino and Robert De Niro are walking down the street and they have Robert De Niro in these massive platform Hollywood men's shoes to, <laughs> and this is strictly just to add height. And it's just really funny. So it makes De Niro look quite a bit t- taller than Al Pacino, but apparently without those shoes, they'd probably be about the same height. So I just thought that was funny that you would mention that. I had just seen that online and gotten a, gotten a kick out of it. Yeah. You kind of see some of these people later in other movies and you're like, wait a minute. I thought he was really tall. Right. I was really shocked when I found out that Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't as tall as, as I thought. Yeah, he was. He I know. He I mean, he's ginormous, you know, and, well, he's and the he's Terminator not. for crying out loud. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's got to be six foot five or whatever they make him out to be. And then right. you find out the ones, I don't know how they do the ones that are really tall and they don't look as tall as they are. You're like, how did you do that? Right, right. But anyway, I, those, you know, those two are, <laughs> and, you know, I, I just, it blows my mind that that doesn't affect people's thinking, but, you know, whatever. 
Yeah. So, yeah, there's just been so many coincidences in this case that it's hard to even keep up with it. Oh, I just looked it up. They're saying that Arnold Schwarzenegger is five. I'm sorry. Scratch that. Oh, wait a minute. That's so weird. This one says he's 5'10". This one says he's 6'1 and a half. And this one says he's 6'2". So people are still con- <laughs> people are still confused about his height. So never mind. Oh, this, this greatphysiques.com says he's 6'3". So I give up. Forget that. Oh, no. <laughs> never mind. I have no idea how tall Arnold Schwarzenegger is. Um, so what else are we going to talk about? Hey, uh, if we're done with the coincidences, I kind of wanted to throw something out there from one of our past episodes that we kind of never circled back on. Um, one more though oh yeah go ahead i forgot oh it's okay um the outside cameras <gasps> yes yeah the outside cameras were not working and a lot of people even myself was like wait a minute the outside cameras weren't working the cameras on the inside of the church were working so probably the perp disconnected them or something so that they couldn't be seen on camera and then they did whatever they did so they weren't caught like you know pulling in the driveway leaving the drive you know leaving the parking lot whatever but we had a um uh surveillance camera expert on and they explained to us you know how that would have been much more difficult to disconnect it you know to have it where it wasn't working it wasn't just as easy as just finding a cord and then plugging it or whatever right so it was just a coincidence that the outside cameras weren't working and i think even someone from the church confirmed that that um maybe it wasn't just like that one day like they hadn't been working for a while before this happened right and so um it was just a coincidence that they weren't and so that was just something that worked in the perp's favor uh, because had they been working, they would have been, you know, caught on camera entering and leaving the parking lot. And it would have been probably solved by now. If they, if they, if they could have seen it, if it would have been good enough, um, you know, good enough uh, surveillance for them to, you know, see like a license plate or be able to verify someone. Sometimes, sometimes you can have surveillance and you look at it and you're like, I don't have a clue. I can't tell anything about that person, you know? Right. And that is, that is really a strange coincidence because, I mean, you know, we've talked about this before. It seems like the perpetrator must have known that the outside camera wasn't working and the inside were because they certainly were prepared for the inside cameras covered up the way they were. I mean, we don't know if this person's male or female. We don't know if they have tattoos all over their arms. We don't know anything about their physique because they could be a lot thinner than they're appearing on camera because they're covered up in all that garb. Or they could be heavier set, like we all sort of initially thought. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the coincidence of the outside cameras not working means that the perpetrator could pull up in their vehicle. And that's that part's totally undetected, with the exception of the passerby identifying a small dark SUV that left the scene. They were pretty much scot-free. Now, I know we have always said outside cameras, but apparently... Um, we were corrected and there was only one outside camera at the church and it was just one camera that was out. So I used to think, why were all the outside cameras not working? But apparently it was just one. Um, and so, you know, it just, it just really makes you wonder, did the perpetrator have access to that information? And if they didn't, that was just really lucky or I don't know. I really don't understand that. Yeah, I don't either. It's it, that 
it's just that was one of the things that really made me crazy for a long time but Mm -hmm. I just had to get past it and go it just something that happened and they just unfortunately they had a little bit of luck on their side yeah yeah that's for sure I think that you know we've talked about this recently too and it was tempting for a long time to be like wow this perpetrator really planned this out they had the outfit they had the timing down just really razor thin margin of error you know for the timing they had this all planned out really well but as time wears on, I'm really starting to think that luck had a lot to do with the success. When I say success, I mean the perpetrator not getting caught. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that that had a lot to do with their quote unquote success. Yeah, um, I agree with you. Okay, so if we are finished with the coincidences, at least for now, I have a feeling we might pop a couple off on the next episode. We'll probably think of something between now and then. But I was going to circle back to our episode we did with um, Chris Gates, the nice guy that is the evidence technician for an area police department. And he was talking about, you know, we had gotten, of course, on the topic of the DNA when he was our guest. And, you know, the DNA in this case is another frustrating thing because what we heard from Kevin Johnson with MPD when this was first reported, actually it was only reported the one time, when it was reported they talked about how the DNA was not enough to really get any testing done. So basically he said that it was partial and mixed DNA. So we were talking to Chris Gates about that because I really wanted to talk to someone who was on the inside that worked with this sort of thing to try to wrap my head around what that could mean. And if there was any hope for the future for this sample to get, you know, to be able to be tested when the DNA improves, um, DNA testing improves. And what he said was um, a lot of times when you have that minuscule of a sample, just as that small, that it'll get all, it'll get all used up in testing. So there won't be any to save for next time. And he was talking about how, you know, it's just on the edge end of a Q-tip. And he said, hopefully when you swab for DNA, and he was kind of, he was talking about how when he trains guys how to swab for the DNA, you know, you kind of have to do it a certain angle, do it a certain way to get the most you can on the Q-tip. And, and he said, ideally you get more than one swab so that you've got an extra one to hold back for future testing. If that other one doesn't pan out currently, And it was just really interesting. It kind of gave me food for thought. I went back and listened to that episode this afternoon. And, you know, it just really makes me wonder, did that first, did the sample that NPD gave to the lab, was there anything left over for next time? It kind of sounds like there wasn't. If, you know, just basing it on that episode we did with Chris, I hope that's not the case, but he knows what he's talking about. So I think it's probably not going to be enough to hang around for future dna testing because you know it's so nice when you hear that on the news it's like you know there's some murder from 10 or 15 years ago they were able to solve it because now the tna testing testing has improved but i don't know if that'll happen in this case yeah i know it doesn't sound like it from what he said and everything he said made perfect sense so Mm -hmm. He has way more experience than we do. Mine is zero. So I've got to believe him. But yeah, I hope that's wrong, though. I hope that Kevin Johnson characterized it as such a tiny amount that it just didn't amount to anything that they could test. So that that does not sound real encouraging that they had any extra to put back. So I guess time will tell or hopefully... 
hopefully there is some and if there's not hopefully there's other stuff that will tie this perpetrator to the scene um hey you know dale in our groups we've already talked about him earlier um he sent me some pictures and i was kind of rushing around today when they came in so i didn't get a chance to look at him but he was making a really good point that the perpetrator's lower leg you know the calves they tend they tend to sort of arch out and I know that's, I didn't describe that very well. And I'll put these up on our Instagram and Facebook, or I'll send them to you. To, you tend to do Facebook and I tend to do Instagram for whatever reason. Um, we just sort of got in the habit of doing that. So his, do you know what I mean by, I mean, it's I'm not. Looking, I'm it's, looking at the picture. You are, you got him. Okay, good. It's not that the, um, it's not that the perpetrator's knees are bent backwards or anything but the the calves just kind of go arch backwards how do i see that yeah and he was just saying that you know that i i'm assuming of course that the forensic podiatrist is looking at that and whoever else is analyzing the video um at the um video analysis place you know but that would just be really interesting to know if any of these persons of interest that we've talked about um have that feature you know because it's not that and i do and hey do you remember on the hln show um dr nuremberg the forensic podiatrist said that the perpetrators double jointed and dale made the good point he goes i'm not even sure what double jointed means and i said true that's a good point but do you remember i think he meant the knee because i think dr nuremberg was primarily looking at the lower part of the the legs um I just remember when I was a kid sort of being fascinated by this. I would fixate on people who had this sort of like, it looked almost like their knees were bending the opposite direction a little bit when they would stand. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Is, is that, is that what double jointed is? And then I know sometimes people can like move their thumb in some opposing direction or something and they'll say, Oh, I'm double, I'm double jointed. So anyway, supposedly according to Dr. Nuremberg, this perpetrator that perpetrated this crime is double jointed so i would think that that would sort of help um narrow the field of suspects i think it goes it makes it i think that the body part actually goes in a direction that's not normal yeah that so makes sense like, instead of the, like your knee protrudes out if you bend it up and then if you go put your leg down and go straight it just your leg is straight but if it actually protrudes the other direction i think that's double jointed I guess and so. I'm looking at some pictures and that's what it is. It's funny that you mentioned that because I used to always say that, you know, how kids hear a, a term and then they just go with it forever. I used right. to say I'm disjointed because I could take my thumb and bend it all the way back and touch my wrist or my arm with it. And I just always said I was double jointed. I don't know if that actually means that or it's just that I can stretch it really far. <laughs> but anyway, I was going to say, I just tried it and I didn't come anywhere near being able to do that. Can you still do it? Um, it's not, I can't do it as I used to. I, I can almost get there, but when I was younger, I could go all the way to my arm. <laughs> wow, I would say that's definitely double jointed. If anything is, that's amazing. It doesn't go that far anymore. But I, I, when I was younger, I could do a lot of things like that. Like I could just run and do a flip, and it was just weird. Lord, I couldn't even begin to do something like that today. But so I guess when you get older, if you don't, you know. <laughs> But yeah, I don't, think that, I don't know if that's double jointed, but this other stuff that I was explaining is so. But they, but it, you know what it is though? They do have a picture on here of somebody bending their thumb back. Oh, that's interesting. See, it, I was thinking is, the same thing. 
I, I sent those I sent those two photos to your messenger just now, by the way, so we can get those posted after the podcast. Okay. So our viewers, uh, our listeners can take a look at those and give their opinions. But, you know, people who, who's, I mean, I've known people who are not double jointed, who have calves that kind of, it's almost like they're more muscular in the back or something. And it mm-hmm. makes them kind of curve out that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting observation. Dale, thank you that for is, that. I love it when people um, come up with stuff that we never noticed before. Because right. it gives us something to look look for. Because you think you've covered everything, and then you're like, "Oh, awesome!" <laughs> you know, well, I know, I know. And and gosh, you know, we've had so much time to think and talk about this case that you would think we would have heard it all by now. So that was really cool to get something brand new this afternoon coming in. Absolutely, he he's good at he gives a lot of good ideas. I like that. Yeah, he does. Um, so what else were we going to cover on this episode today? We've done the coincidences. Um, See, I have it. I have my list. Let me look at that. I have to have a list or I will forget everything. Um, we did that one. We did that one. Outside cameras. I think we did them all. All right. Oh, wait a bit. There was one more um, that Missy uh, stopped going to the gym about two weeks before. Yes. She stopped going to the gym about two weeks before murder. And a lot of people speculated um, if that had something to do with it or, you know, if something had happened there. But um, there's not any evidence to show that that was related. Right. Yeah, that was um, that was something that was talked about a lot toward the beginning of the murder where you know, Missy Beavers was an avid exerciser of, I mean, not just teaching Camp Gladiator, but she kept herself in shape. Even when she wasn't teaching, she would spend some time at a, at a gym that she was a member of. It was Anytime Fitness. And mm-hmm. she would go there a lot. And then suddenly people said the last two weeks of her life, she just stopped going and no and one. she was quiet and reserved. Yeah. And, um, so we we got some information, kind of some inside information later that suggested that that was just a, another coincidence because um, she, you know, it was early, the reason people speculated that it was related to the murder was people were saying, oh, I bet that somebody was threatening her at the gym and made her uncomfortable. So she stopped going and chances are that would have been the perpetrator. But yeah. there was, we were, I mean, we looked into that re- very, very thoroughly and there back then and there was just nothing that we could prove and then we found out later that um there was some other reason why she wasn't going there there was some sort of a not a disagreement but just like an uncomfortable situation with the management had absolutely nothing to do with her murder and just another coincidence yep one of many right and I really do have a feeling we're going to come back with some more, even though we've listed countless ones on this episode, I kind of have a feeling we'll come back on another episode and cover a couple more. It just seems like we, we you and I racked our brains today and it just seems like we're leaving something out. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I acted like that's unusual. We're leaving something out. Um, okay. So is there anything else we want to say before we wrap it? Oh, I have something I want to say about the billboard. Okay. We have um, gotten your generous donations and appreciate it very much. We have sort of the gen- the donations have stopped pretty much since we have not had any more since the last podcast. 
And what we decided is obviously we're going to hope that we raise enough for a, a billboard. But at some point in time, fairly soon, if um, if the donations don't pick up, we will go ahead and refund your money in full. So if you mm. made a donation and you're concerned about, I haven't seen any movement in that situation. I wonder what happened to my money. We will definitely return your money as soon as possible once a decision is made that we are not going to be able to move forward with the billboard we hope we will be able to and we'll give it some more time but you know if we don't see any more activity here in the next couple weeks we'll probably make the tough decision to scrap that and return the money to our wonderful listeners who um, were very generous and donated yeah i'm glad you remembered that because i I, we talked about it and i was like oh we got to do something I'm glad glad you well thank you it just popped in my head for some reason I'm glad it did we would have been done and I would have been like oh my god we forgot to say that (laughs) (laughs) we should probably still put that on Facebook and stuff for people who don't hear it in the episode but I did want to mention it before we sign off yep all right well I don't have anything else um to talk about at this time I think we covered everything that I have notes on so same here so we'll just We'll just end by thanking you all so much for sticking with True Crime Broads. And if you have any comments or questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us on any of our social media platforms. Thank you again for listening. Yeah, thank you. Good night. True Crime Broads with Crystal and Renee.